Good morning and welcome to Christ Church. Good to have you here today. Um, we have lots of uh, young people out on a, the SHIG retreat, but uh, we are back together. Uh, the campuses are back together, so special greetings to those at Crossroads and Highland Park and upstairs at the 01. And uh, of course, we gather with, uh, with men and women from around the world. Today, over the course of this weekend, there will be tens of millions, hundreds of millions of gatherings of Christ followers who will come together, this is the cadence sort of step set out by God, come together for worship, for prayer, for, for uh, instruction in the apostles' teaching, for the sacraments, uh, come together to encourage one another to love and good deeds. We stand uh, alongside uh, just lots and lots of, of uh, churches and congregations that have a chance uh, to align our lives again around Jesus Christ and uh, an empty tomb. So you got a little taste of the fact that, um, that there are a dozen churches coming together for a baptism event. So let me just back up for a second and say, we come from all walks of life, right? We're, we're coming from, from all different, different uh, ideologies. We come uh, young and old, different ethnicities, we've got different gifts, we've got different passions, we've got different interests. We come, uh, God, God has created us to be marvelously unique. There's a sense in which we all come together, right? The, the big funnel comes together into a little chute here, and, and we, we gather together around a handful of things, and then we get shot out the other side to go in a variety of different ways. Different parts of the world, different gifts, different ways that we serve, different uh, passions and interests. The way I intersect with God and the way you intersect with God are going to be different in a lot of different ways. But there is a, there are a number of things. There's sort of the, 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 the crosshairs. There's the nexus of the intersection. I've got a, uh, I, I've got a, a diagram here. There is a, there is this, there is this horizontal part where we do things together because of the way we have been instructed. So in common, we have the Bible and we have church and we have prayer and we have uh, a couple things like these sacraments, these sacred activities. So last week, Luke 22, we looked at how Jesus transitions the, the Passover meal. It had been in place for 1,400 years. And then uh, on that night that he was betrayed, so he's 24 hours from being in the tomb. Um, on that night that he was betrayed, he has one last gathering with his, uh, with his disciples. And there in the upper room, he explains, going through the liturgy, the well-rehearsed, you know, uh, the well-rehearsed words that they had gone over 1,400 years saying the same things, and suddenly he, he turns it, he pivots it. He said, no, this bread is my body. It's not about the lamb, right? I am the lamb. I, the lamb was a, was a placeholder for the sacrifice I am about to commit. It. He takes the third cup of wine from the meal, and he says, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. So, that Holy Communion, Eucharist, Lord's Supper, whatever you're com- most comfortable calling it, that is a sacrament. It is a sacred activity. Uh, it was established by Christ. He's the one that set it up. He's the one that told us to do it. There is a second 
sacred activity, a second sacrament that we recognize, and that is baptism. It is another sort of mysterious moment where something happens that we're hard-pressed to fully unpack and explain. It's another visual sermon. So the Lord's Supper is a visual sermon. It reminds us that Jesus Christ gave his life. He shed his blood. He was the sacrifice. And so uh, we, we have that in front of us, and we are taking Christ into our own body. We're saying that, that, that Christ's death was so important, we need him. We, he nourishes us. We desperately need that. So the, 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 the Lord's Supper is a visual sermon and a sacred activity launched by Jesus. Baptism is another. So as a visual sermon, it, it is telling us that Jesus, we can identify with Jesus as we go under the water, identifying with him in his death. We come up out of the water, identifying with him in his resurrection. We also, we see this idea that our, our, we are being washed, we are being cleansed uh, by Christ. And so uh, it is a sacred activity, visual sermon commissioned by Jesus. So Jesus himself is baptized. Although he is without sin, he is baptized. He sets that example for us, right? And then the last things that he says before he ascends into heaven, after his death and resurrection, after the 40 days that he spends around with his disciples, before he ascends back into heaven, the last thing he says is, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded, and I will be with you always. So uh, this is something Jesus does. He's the one that initiates it. He's the one that inaugurates it. And, and so we, are, we, we don't do baptism all the time, right? We don't, you, you're baptized one time, unlike the Lord's Supper, which we celebrate every month. But these are the two sacraments uh, that we point to and say, um, there's some, there are means of grace here. They're not a means of saving grace. I want to be clear about that. We're not saved by being baptized. Famously, the thief on the cross was not baptized. And he says, uh, remember me, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, I promise you today you will be with me in paradise. Um, so the actual act of being baptized is not what saves us. But I, wanna, I want to um, prevent any of you from making one of the, the mistakes that gets made. And that is to say... Um, I'm a Christian, I don't need to be baptized. So some people say, I was baptized, therefore I'm a Christian. I'd say, that, no, that's not the way it works. Others would say, I'm a Christian, I don't need to be baptized. You go, no, 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 that's not the way it works either. Uh, the, the New Testament, we don't have an example of somebody who says, I'm a Christ follower, I haven't been baptized. Yeah, that's, that's, not a, that's not a place where you live. That's not the way this is going to work. So uh, we have, you saw in the, the video set up, we have a baptism coming up uh, on March 5th. So we always do a baptism in the summer. Uh, since I got here uh, starting in 99, we had a baptism in the summer, Lake Michigan, uh, at Banner Day Camp, other places. And we've always had a baptism in the winter. Uh, we've done this with other churches. So Iglesia Emanuel, Joaquin Community Church, Sign of the Dove. We've pulled together uh, other 
uh, churches and, and done a joint worship baptism night uh, in February or March. So this is different this year in that we, we have been uh, a little bit more uh, proactive and we've invited other churches to join us. So there's like a dozen churches that are going to participate this year. And this year it's going to be held at the Lake Forest campus, which we've never done. Uh, it's always been somewhere else. But when we looked at all the churches that were coming, so we got churches coming from the south, we got churches coming from the north, we got churches coming from the west, we said, okay, well, we're sort of central to that. This campus is central to that. So we're bringing in a baptismal, and we're going to have the baptism here and a worship time. And there's members from all the churches that are going to be part of the worship team uh, that Brad will be leading. And so it's all coming together March 5th. So my objective today is to get those of you who are in this no man's land who say, I am a Christ follower, but I actually haven't been baptized, to sign up. So uh, it's not, by the way, that I win if I get you to sign up and you win if you hold out. No, you lose if you hold out. Uh, You do not want to live in that space. So um, I I, want to say, some people say that getting baptized is like uh, having a a ring if you're married. So the truth is you can... um, you can be married and not wear a ring, and you can wear a ring and not be married, right? The ring isn't what actually makes you married, but it is a symbol. I would say it's a little bit more than that. Somehow, there is some blessing that goes with this, and I, I'm hard-pressed to find the words to unpack all that when we get into the mysteries of God, but I think this is this is... There is always a blessing that comes with obedience, but I think it's even more than that. This is a special event. So, so I'm, I am doing my level best today to get those of you in this no man's land to sign up. And um, what I want to do is explain, because I think there's some confusion that surrounds baptism. So I want to explain uh, how the confusion has come up and, and then um, tell you it's time to sign up if you haven't. So... We, we, again, we acknowledge baptism as a sacrament because it was initiated by Jesus, right? He's the one that launches this. This is, this is his idea, not ours. There's confusion around baptism for at least three reasons. The first reason is because of the word itself. So when people are translating anything into another language, but we'll just stay with the New Testament. When they're translating the New Testament out of Greek into English, they come to a word, they see that word, agape. It's a word for love. So they write love in English. Koinonia, they write fellowship. Theos, they write God. They translate the word. That's what you do. Um, When they come to a word that they don't have an English word for, sometimes they write a phrase to try and capture it. Sometimes they transliterate the word. Okay, So this is Old Testament in Hebrew, but here's an example. Alleluia. When they come to the word alleluia in Hebrew, they go, yeah, we don't really have that word in English, so we're just going to we're just going to take the letters, translate letter by letter, and respell this word. So, uh, the word baptismo is a confusing word. I think we've got this word here in Greek. So, the word baptismo, uh, first of all, there are a number of occasions where this word is translated. 
And when they translate it, they translate it as wash or soak or or plunge or dip. And so um, very famously, there was a Greek Greek poet and philosopher, Nicander, in 200 B.C., who wrote about making pickles. And uh, the word bap- baptize shows up twice. He says, if you're, if you're making pickles, you have to, you have to uh, baptize the pickle in water. You've got to plunge it into water, and then you've got to soak it. You've got to baptize the pickle in vinegar. Okay? And then when the pickle dies, it goes to heaven because it's been baptized twice. Okay, so, so when we translate Nicander, um, the, the word baptize means... Soak. They translate it, and they say, "Okay, you gotta, you gotta wash the pickle, and then you gotta soak the pickle." And there are times in the New Testament, Mark seven, Luke eleven, other times, where the Pharisees get get frustrated with Jesus because he does not quote baptize himself before he eats. Okay, so they had rules about ceremonial washing and hand washing and rituals there that Jesus doesn't acknowledge. So the word wash, baptismo, gets translated when you are reading Mark 7 or Luke 11. Jesus, they're mad at Jesus because he doesn't wash himself according to their ritual customs before he eats. So sometimes the word baptismo is translated. But sometimes the word baptismo is transliterated. So there are times, Matthew 28, the Great Commission, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, right? They just take the Greek word and they take the letters and they bring the letters into English because they say, you know what? If we say, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, washing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that isn't it. That's that's not the thrust of this word. There's a a religious overtone here. There's a sacred activity that's taking place here. And the word wash, the word soak, the word plunge, the word dip, that that isn't the right word. So they transliterate the word into English. So part of the reason for the confusion is because of the word. We don't really have an English word that fully captures in in, uh, an easy way what's going on. A second reason there is confusion is because when Jesus tells people to get baptized, that's still a really new idea. So there's not a long track record here. Now, if you go back into some Jewish writings during the intertestamental period, so the end of the Old Testament, uh, between the end of the Old Testament and the beginning of the New Testament is 400 years. We call it the intertestamental period. During the intertestamental period, there are, uh, there are examples of people being instructed to be baptized when a Gentile wants to become a Jew. So they're looking around and they're saying, you know what, I think the Jews really are the people of God. I think there is only one God. I think that this writing that they've got from God through Moses is, is, a, is, a, is a way forward. I want to be a Jew. I want to follow the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But I'm not a Jew. I wasn't born a Jew. I'm a Gentile. So when those Gentiles say, I want to be a Jew, the Jews said, okay, if you want to be a Jew, here are the things you need to do. Now, the the challenge is there wasn't one approved list. (laughs) There were lots of different lists. Sort of depended upon who you talked to. Different regions. 
So people would say, okay, well, if you're a guy and you want to be, uh, you're a Gentile, you want to become a Jew, you have to be circumcised. They would say, well, you've got to take a sacrifice. You've got to go to the temple. You've got to go to a priest, and you've got to have a sacrifice made for your sins. Some would say, you've got to swear your allegiance to the, the law of Moses. Some would say, you have to memorize, you know, big parts of the Old Testament. Some would say, you've got to, you know, there's all kinds of things that they would say you needed to do. On every list, they said, there is a ceremonial bath that you have to take where you were washing, nobody, nobody baptized you. You went and you went to a certain bath, certain pools, and you would wash yourself. You're, you are symbolically washing away your sin. You're washing away your Gentileness. You were saying, I want to be a Jew. So the word is used a little bit, not very often, but we see the word used a little bit during that time. Then... Here comes Jesus' cousin, just before uh, Christ emerges. John the Baptist comes out of the desert, and he says to the people, uh, look, God is about to do something big. The kingdom of God is not approaching. It is at hand. But you are not ready. Okay? You are not ready for what God wants to do. And... then the people say, well, how, how do we get ready? He says, if you want to get ready, you need to repent of your sins, and you need to go public. You need to be baptized. You need to come to the River Jordan, and you need to be baptized. And no one had suggested that a Jew get baptized before this, before John the Baptist. This is a radical idea. But he says, you may be the covenant people of God, but you are not ready for what God is going to do. And if you want to get ready, you need to repent. You need to acknowledge that you're broken, that you've not followed God, that you've fallen away. You need to acknowledge your brokenness and your sin. And you need to, to, to raise your hand and identify with Christ. And the way you're going to do that is you need to be baptized. And so John begins to issue this radical call, and uh, lots and lots of people get baptized. So many people get baptized that John becomes known as John the Washer, John the Plunger, John the Soaker, right? John the Baptist. And then Jesus shows up. John is in the River Jordan, he's calling on people to be baptized. Jesus walks out and John says, whoa, time out. I am not fit to touch your shoelaces. I can't baptize you. You should baptize me. Jesus says, no, 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 no. Permit it, John. I want you to do this because other things are in play here. He is elevating baptism, right? John, Jesus doesn't have any sin. So there's no get baptized. There's no repenting and getting baptized for your sins. Jesus has no sins, but he's our representative, So he goes and he is baptized, and uh, then he begins his ministry right after that, right? There's a great Trinitarian moment when he comes up out of the water, and then he heads out into the desert 40 days uh, of prayer and, and fasting and preparation and temptation, and then he launches his ministry. And then the other bookend, right? So we got baptism right there as it's getting started. The other bookend on Jesus' ministry is the Great Commission, just before he ascends into heaven, leaves earth, he says, go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Go tell people. As you, literally, the Greek structure here is, as you are telling people about me, it's just assumed that we're going to tell people about Jesus. As you are telling people about me, make disciples. And how do you make disciples? You tell them to go public. <laughs> you tell them to be baptized, and you teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. Okay? So, um, this is still new. Jesus will not baptize anybody, but his followers will immediately begin to baptize all those who step forward. So, part of the reason for confusion is because the word is a little funky and it's hard for us to figure out exactly how to translate it or transliterate it. Part of the reason it's confusing is because what Jesus was calling on people to do was new and novel and we don't get all that much uh, coaching on it. And then a third reason that things get confusing is because of what happens in the next couple hundred years after that. And basically, people went in two directions. So some people said, wow, baptism is really important. Therefore, we need to put it off. We need to put it off in order to coach and and disciple those who want to go forward. They need to understand what they're affirming. Right? So there is a, they need to sign up for a class. They need to go through a class. Right? They, they need to be catechized. They need to, they need to go through a discipleship process. And it was uh, pretty common pretty early on to say we're going to do baptisms on Easter. Uh, and the people that are being baptized need to know. They need to have studied. They need to, uh, the Apostles' Creed. They need to be able to say, I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is you know, conceived by the Holy Spirit, and born Virgin Mary. They need to know exactly what it is that they're affirming. So some people say, we've got to put this off a little bit because we need people. And it, it was one thing when it was, when it was Jews who sort of had the whole history, right, and knew what was going on, and now they're saying, okay, I'm affirming that Jesus is the Messiah. Now you got Greeks and Romans, you got people that are coming with lots of different ideas, and you're saying, okay, well, you got to understand what it is exactly you're affirming. So they pushed baptism off. Another group of people said, let's push baptism off because, erroneously, they believed it's baptism that saves us. Right? It's, the, it's, the, it's the washing of water that removes sins. No, that's not the way it works. Right, And, and your being baptized, my being baptized, is not how we get right with God. Let's just be clear. That's not, the gospel is not that God so loved the world that if you do these things, these religious things, then God uh, will, will forgive you of your sins. Even good things, going to church, you know, caring for the poor, being baptized, taking communion— we're not saved by those things. So it's important to understand this. And there were people that said, when I'm baptized, all those sins will be removed that I have ever committed. But going forward, any sins I commit after that, I'm going to be responsible for. So they said, I don't want to get baptized until the end. Um, Constantine, very famously, first of all, when he had his soldiers uh, get baptized, he always required that they leave their right arm, their sword arm, out of the water. Because he wanted a good pagan sword arm. He didn't, want a, he didn't want a Christian sword arm. He wanted a good pagan killing sword arm. So they had to get baptized with their right arm out of the water. He waited until his deathbed 
because uh, he said, they're just decisions that as the head of state I have to make that I, I don't really want to be held accountable for before God. So he waits until he's on his deathbed, and then he has them take off his purple royal robes and put on the robes of white, the robes of a, of a, of a new convert, and he was baptized on his deathbed. So there are people that said, baptism is important, let's put it off. There are other people that said, baptism is important, so let's, let's get it done right away. So now we have two different ideas that emerge. So some say, uh, if a child dies before it's baptized, there's a, there's a, there's a doctrine that's not well developed, it's not hardly endorsed, but it, it sort of was, has been knocking around for hundreds of years in, uh, in Roman Catholic circles. It's a child that, is, that dies before it is baptized, goes to limbo. It's not heaven, it's not hell, it's somewhere in between. And you don't want to get caught in limbo, right? That's where that phrase comes from. So they would baptize uh, immediately upon, uh, upon birth. So I was talking with a man last night, and he said, I've been baptized four times. He said, I was a breech birth, uh, being born in a Catholic hospital. He says, as soon as my heel appeared, he says, the obstetrician baptized me with my heel. Okay, this is going to be a difficult delivery. We're going to baptize this child right now. He said, then after I was born, I was handed to the nurse. The nurse baptized me. He said, then an hour later, the priest baptized me. He says, and then a couple years ago, you baptized me in the Jordan River when we were in Israel. So he says, I've been baptized four times. I said, okay, stop it. Yeah, it's... Uh, uh, but there was this idea, right? We had to get a child baptized immediately. We get calls with some frequency. It's almost always the grandmother. Um, but it's the, it's the grandmother that calls and says, my daughter and her husband or my son and his girlfriend just had a baby. And the baby needs to be baptized. Will you do that? So you ask some questions to try and find out what's going on in their life, and you discover that it's not only do they not come to this church, they don't come to any church, but it's a, it's a it's, it's half step above superstition, right? If I get this child baptized, there's no connection in a broader sense with God or the church, and you, you want to say, look, God's plan for you is a whole lot more robust than what you're, what you're thinking about right now. So, um, so there's infant baptism by those that say baptism is going to save. There is also uh, a, a, a school of thought that comes out of reformed theologians that says uh, baptism replaces circumcision as a sign of the covenant. So the covenant family of God. Uh, God speaking to Abraham, he says, take every uh, child on their eighth day, right? The, the male, the baby boys on the eighth day and circumcise them as a sign that they are part of the family of God, that, they are, that, that that is the intention of the parents. And so there are some that would argue baptism replaces circumcision as a sign of the covenant. And then later on, those children will need to confirm that faith. So when they're 12 or 13, they would take a confirmation class and they would confirm their baptism that this faith is my own. So... Um, how do we make sense of all this, right? So, look, if you're asking me, uh, I was baptized as an infant. 
so I grew up, I, I had wonderful parents. I had many, many blessings. Uh, I'm very thankful. I would not describe the home I grew up in as a, as a Christian home. We were, we were modestly religious. So we went to church, and uh, we did, I, mean, I never heard the gospel. I didn't get it. Uh, and, but we went to church, and I was baptized as an infant. Uh, when I finally heard the gospel, it made sense to me, oh, this is very different than I thought. <clears throat> what I picked up growing up is I better be good. My good better outweigh my bad. Uh, otherwise, I'm in deep weeds, and I, I should memorize the list of it. You know, I got this weird sense that I, I need to memorize the kings, the order of kings in the Old Testament, because for whatever reason, I think that's important. Uh, so I got some crazy ideas when I finally understand God's grace and mercy and love and, and who Jesus was and what he did. And I say, okay, I'm, I, I, I've shared this. It took me a long time to reconcile all this. But when I finally said, okay, I'm in, about a year later, I said, wait a minute, I should be baptized. Now, this was a little offensive to my parents because they said, well, you were baptized. And I said, yeah, but I, I, well, I don't remember it. Uh, and I think baptism is a little bit more going public. It's a, it's, it is a statement that I'm making. I'm, I am going to identify with Christ. So I chose to be baptized. And when people ask me, and they say, I was baptized as an infant, um, should, do you think I should be baptized again? I go, well, look, I was. Um, I'm not going to fight you over this. Uh, I, I heard the other day, someone says, look, I don't, I'm not too, I don't get too worked up about the mode of baptism, but the timing I think is important. So there are people who are, if come to faith at an Episcopal church, at a, at a, at a uh, some Methodist churches, Presbyterian church, you're likely, you come to faith as a you know, 12-year-old, as a 30-year-old, as a 50-year-old, you're likely uh, to be baptized by sprinkling. So some people say, well, that isn't really baptism. I'm like, well, there are parts of the world where that's all that's ever really a viable option, right? If you're, if you're in the South Pole, I don't think they're going to plunge you in the lake. Uh, and, and there are places in the desert where this, this is just not going to work. So I, I, don't, I don't lose too much sleep about this. I think it's, okay, we're, we're identifying. I think the, the, the most, the, the closest to what John was doing in the Jordan River, it seems to me, would be to be, you know, immersion. So I, uh, that's what I would, that's what I would point to, but I'm not going to not losing sleep over the mode. I think the timing is significant. It looks to me like you believe and then are baptized and I'm not certain why you, you don't do it. Now, here's where I do get a little bit, uh, exercised when, when, uh, when people say, well, you know, you get this baptism in the lake. I don't really like the lake, or it's a pond. I don't like the pond, and and then you, and then, so then you go, okay, well, we're going to do it inside. Yeah, but you know, I I don't look good with wet hair. Um, okay, you know, so Jesus died for you on the cross. It wasn't a good hair day for him. I'm thinking, just. Want, might want to consider this, right? This is, a, this is an act of humility in one sense. It's an act of going public. It's an act of saying, I'm broken. I need a Savior. I'm with Jesus. And so uh, I want to encourage you, if you are, to not try and live in the no man's land that says, um, you know what, I'm, I'm, I am a Christian, therefore I don't need to be baptized. It's just not really, there's not really any space there uh, in the New Testament. So, Jesus was baptized. He had no sin. He was baptized. 
The, so it's sort of the first act of his public ministry. The last thing he says before he ascends to heaven is, go baptize people, right? Uh, call people to be disciples. That would mean that they are baptized, they've gone public, and they're going to they're gonna be taught what I have commanded to obey it. I think, it, I think there's a blessing there. There's some means of grace. Uh, it is the history of the church for people to be baptized. It is, it is the call. And then um, I would just say, Luke 6, 6, Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, when you don't do what I say? Uh, so I'd say, look, if you've not been baptized, you can sign up in the lobby today. You can sign up online. You can download the app, go to the app, and sign up on the app. I mean, you, there's a bunch of different ways you can sign up. There is a, there is a, a, a bit of a class, uh, and the baptism is going to be on March 5th. But I want to encourage you, let's get this done. <laughs> if you have not been baptized, and Christ is your Savior and Lord. And maybe this is the, maybe this is the event that pushes you over the edge. You're sort of sitting out there going, do I believe maybe it's time to put my weight down and say, yeah, I'm in. Um, so one way or the other, I want to encourage you, if you've not been baptized, uh, to sign up today and March 5th. And it'll be a great event. So even if you are not being baptized and no one in your family is being baptized, no one in your small group is being baptized, I would encourage you to be here March 5th. It'll be a great time of worship and just a celebration as people go public <laughs> with their faith in Jesus Christ. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to opt in. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your willingness to identify with us and uh, to identify with us in baptism and uh, to identify with us in terms of taking our sins upon yourself on the cross. So uh, I want to pray for those uh, young and old men and women uh, who have not been baptized, Father, that you would... uh, you would allow this to be a, a, a step of spiritual growth and decision and, and an inflection point for them. Uh, may this please you, guide us to that end, in Christ's name, amen.